Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 3. And we're starting in verse 8. I have a praise report to give you all for, for later. It was good to see Ingrid walk in the door. Good to have Ingrid with us tonight. Now I need to go saying something about everyone. Huh? The Sheffields have been in Amsterdam. Looks like they're back safely. All right. All right. Let us pray. Father God in heaven, we come before you in your kindness and your righteousness tonight and your love to us, just thanking you for who you are, thanking you for loving us so much that you gave your cross, your son on the cross at Calvary for all of our sins. Lord, as we come before you to share your word, I pray that you would bless it to our hearts. I pray that you would encourage and lift up your people here tonight. And Lord, that, that your word would accomplish that, which you have promised it, it goes forth to do. And Lord, be with us later through prayer requests and as we sing praises to your name. It's so good to be in your house and to, to worship and honor you this evening. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Second Peter chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 8. Last week, we talked about the coming of Jesus Christ and the end of the false prophet. And tonight, we will talk about the coming of Jesus Christ and the end of the world. Jesus Christ is coming again. Jesus Christ is coming again. Jesus Christ is coming again. I, I like loud amens. I didn't do it for that, but I, I love a loud amen. But I, I repeat this because the Bible repeats this truth over and over and over. And Christians through the years for the past 2,000 years have talked about the second coming of Jesus Christ, that He is coming soon. People talked about that a thousand, twelve hundred, fifteen hundred years ago. They said Jesus is coming soon. Can we call a thousand years, fifteen hundred years soon? I mean, are we wrong? Are Christians the false teachers? Because this is the scoffer's attitude. This is what the scoffer is thinking about you and I and Christians through the centuries about the second coming of Christ. If he's really, he's right around the corner. You've been saying that and Christians before you and before you have been saying that. And where is he? He's not here. And we're scoffed at. This is how the scoffers see it. You're wrong, Christian. You said he's coming back soon and and soon has come and gone. We ought to give him an answer. There's a time to give an answer and there's a time not again to give an answer. Proverbs says, answer not a fool according to his folly. But it also says right after that, answer a fool according to his folly. So there's a time to answer that, and we need to give the right answer. I want to talk about three simple answers. 
three simple answers to the scoffer, to the, to the mocker of our faith concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Three things. And our answers are, the Lord has a different measure of time. The Lord has a different kind of patience. And the Lord has a different meaning for promise. Let's start in verse 8. The Lord has a different measure of time. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Why hasn't the Lord returned? Because time with God and time with man is completely different. It couldn't be more opposite. We can't even absorb time with God because it's different. I mean, a thousand years to you and I is a thousand years. And one day to you and I is one day. But we see in the word here that one day is as a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years as one day. Take 10,000 years and times it by 10,000 years and take that answer and times it by 10,000 years and do it again and do it again and never stop doing it and you have eternity. And God is eternal. He is not remotely on any time frame like we are on. Because we, man, we have to mark it down. I mean, we go by years and months and days and hours and minutes and seconds. And God does not go by that. He is not standing from that point of view. He is not in a time zone. So, one to two thousand years is like, like a day or two with the Lord. Think about that. It is short. He still is coming soon. One to two thousand years is nothing to God. And we know this as a truth because the Bible tells us so. We see it right here. We see the difference in time right here, even though our minds can't grasp that. But we don't have to be discouraged. We don't have to be discouraged concerning the fact that the Lord hasn't returned and we have scoffers and mockers of this truth. Jesus just ascended back to heaven two days ago to God. Those two men in white apparel that proclaimed it and talked about it and said he's coming, that was two days ago to God. So Jesus is coming back soon. He may have much more planned before he returns. He may have a lot of things that he's going to do before he sends his son 
We're not even to think about it as, wow, it has been a long time. We're not even to think that way. We're thinking on our own time plan when we're saying, wow, the Lord has been a little slow in in coming back. Well, they have a point. It has been 2000. We're not even to think that way. We can't think on his time plan. Nevertheless, we're not to claim our own. That would lead you and I to doubt. If we started thinking about the Lord and his return and putting it in our time frame in our mind, it would cause doubts. We're not to question the Lord's return. We're just to be ready for a quick return. When he comes, he's coming quickly and we need to be ready, not questioning, but ready. We continue in this life. And we continue to suffer through problems. We continue to suffer through pain. We go through persecution. And sometimes, maybe some of us, maybe myself, has been guilty of, Lord, come quickly. When are you coming back, Lord? But we should not, we should not be asking for the Lord's return or thinking about the Lord's return due to our circumstances that we are going through in life. We're not to make our situation, the basis for desiring his return. But we're to focus on God's perfection. I mean, he's perfect. His timing is perfect. We're to be trusting that he is causing or allowing everything that we are going through for our ultimate profit. When we go through a little suffering, sometimes we're going through a little something that's going to bring about some more good. He has some profit in mind, so he allows these things or he even sends some of these things into our lives. We need to keep our mind not on our problems or our pain, but the fact that he's punctual. He is perfectly punctual. God is always on time and he will return on time according to himself. We need to consider God's panoramic view of everything. Think about God and, and, and before the beginning and after the end and all throughout eternity. What do we see so many times? Just us in this short life. Think about that view of God. Think about the span with no time and everything that he sees from his viewpoint. Man, and as we ponder this, the scoffers really have a weak, very puny insult of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, it's been 2000 years and he hasn't come back. When we get to really thinking about this and really thinking about the Lord's timing, that's really weak. It's a really weak insult to you and I. There's coming a time. There's coming a time when those who have gone on rejecting the Lord are are not going to have an opportunity anymore. People will not go on rejecting the Lord. People will not continually be calling evil good and good evil. They're doing it right now. It is clearer than ever before. But it's not going to go on forever. It is going to stop. God the Father is going to speak the word according to his plan and according to his timing. And Jesus Christ is going to come back and he's going to judge the earth. 
The Lord has a different measure of time. The Lord has a different kind of patience. Verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Why hasn't the Lord returned? Because God loves everyone. There is no one that has ever walked the face of this earth that God didn't love. He loves all. And God doesn't want anyone to go into eternity without being saved by Him. He wants to save all. You and I are here, and, and, and we're saved. Let's say if everyone is saved here tonight, He has saved us, and He has left us here, and He's left us here for a purpose. For the purpose of, of people repenting and being redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ. God wants to use us as His tool for this to happen. Because that's His passion, and this is an answer as to why He hasn't come back. Because He loves everyone, and He wants to see souls saved. So, so He's not just patient with the unsaved, He's being patient with the saved. And He has mercy on the saved, because if we're in worldliness, we're really wasting God's time. Because he's in the saving business. And he's passionate about souls being saved. Oh, and he has some patience. He has some patience. He's patient with all of us. He's forbearing of all of us. And in spite of us, he's preserving us. He's preserving us for a will that He has for us. And He's preserving us through suffering. And He's slow to bring judgment upon the lost because the heart of God does not want to lose one soul into hell. He wants everyone to be saved. So therefore, He hasn't returned yet. He desires, he desires to fill His city with His people. There's going to be a city that comes down out of heaven and God wants to save souls and He wants to fill that city for people to be there for all eternity. He wants to rejoice in His people for the joy that was set before Jesus. He endured the cross and that joy is souls being saved. And He has, he has not returned yet for His desire for souls to be saved. I remember a preacher apologizing to his wife for not going on vacation for about 40 years of ministry, all because of a soul that could have been saved on Sunday. I'm not saying you have to be that way, but that was a passion that he had that somebody's soul would be saved. And this is God's passion. He desires souls to be saved. He is suffering a long time with mankind because he loves us. He's not willing that any should perish. That word perish means destroyed. What a way to go out. Somebody watched someone suffer at the end of their life and then they died. It was, it was a Christian and they lived a really good life and they suffered and, and somebody else said, what was it all for? And man, they missed it. But it was all for nothing if they hadn't been saved. 
because the unsaved shall perish. It shall be destruction. What a horrible ending to life. A godless, Christless eternity, never ending suffering for the false teacher, for the scoffer, for everyone who hasn't come to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. God doesn't want that. God loves the empty, destitute, Christ-rejecting person. He loves them, and He wants to save them. And that's the reason for His timeline right now. He has not returned because He loves us all. And He doesn't want any to perish. But that all would come to repentance. What a, what a great work God does in you and I. That there is a change of mind that leads to a change of heart, that leads to a change of life. Repentance. A change in God's in the changing business. He's in the transforming business. We're not meant to stay as we were born. We were meant to be born again. And God has provided a salvation for you and I, and in His patience, He's waiting for all to come to repentance. God wants all to be willing to turn from their sin and to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Everyone has the opportunity to do that. Everyone is invited to the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ that they would, that they would say no to sin and that they would turn to the Savior and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Anyone can do that. No one is held back from that. That is an awesome open opportunity for everyone to forsake sin and to come to faith in the Savior. And this is God's mission. This is what He's on right now before the return of His Son, that souls would be saved, that people would come to repentance. Repentance is not just a sorrowing over our sin. As we talk about repentance, it is a severing from sin in the power of God. It's choosing the Savior and choosing against sin. It is, it is desiring to be rid of our sinful thoughts. It's desiring to be rid of our sinful ways and trusting in the power of God to save us from it. And He sanctifies us in that sometimes the Christian needs to repent. As Paul wrote to Corinth, they repented for the sins that they had been in. And sometimes the Christian needs a change of mind and a fresh change of heart. And it leads to a change of life. And this is the work of God. And He's, he's looking to work that work into the lives of every unsaved person that they might be saved. God wants everyone to repent. And everyone has the opportunity to do so because of this patience that the Lord has. It is unlike anything of a human element. It's a heavenly product, the patience of the Lord. And He's not willing that any should perish. He's desiring that all would be saved. The Lord has a different meaning of promise. That's our third answer. Why hasn't the Lord come? What, what's our answer to that? Well, He has a different meaning of promise. Look at verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. 
Why hasn't the Lord returned? How about this answer? It's pretty profound. Get ready. He shall. He shall. But but your Lord, it's it's been 2000 years and you're saying he's coming soon. What do you have to say about that? He's coming. He shall come. Because the Lord has promised. I, I see a promise right here. But the day of the Lord will come. Good enough for me. He has promised that he is coming. That's a promise from God. And you understand, God does not know broken promises in and of himself. He, he's never made one. He can't make one. The old preacher used to always tell me, if you promise God you're going to run a mile and you break your leg, he's still expecting the promise. As far as what a promise is in his mind, because a promise cannot be broken. God can't. God can't break it. If we make a promise to God, he expects us to keep it. We shouldn't play with promises to God. Some people in a time of weakness and a time of desperation use it to bargain with God. And they're not doing it sincerely. And they promise something that they usually, I I might feel free to say, always end up not following through on. I used to say we're not really required to make a promise to God. and, And so we shouldn't. But, you know, I've had second thoughts through the years. God's worthy of a commitment made to him by his children for all he's done to us. And I encourage us that we should make promises to God, but we should make genuine promises to God. We should make sincere promises to the Lord. And the promises we make to Him should be for His glory. We should make promises, but we should be sincere. Solomon says in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, When thou vowest to bow unto God, Defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldest not bow than thou shouldest vow and not pay. God takes promises very seriously. We've made promises to God, maybe, and we failed. God has made promises to you and I. And he has never failed and he never will fail in in one, not one of his promises. We know the Lord is returning. His day shall come. His day that he returns to get his saints. This day when everyone changes and everything changes, it is going to come. Jesus is coming to the clouds. And he's coming back to judge this earth. Also, his day is coming. There's absolutely no doubt about it. We know this, but we don't know when. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Now, I've seen these dumb criminal shows where somebody robbed a bank and then they walked home in the snow. And the police just followed the footprints in the snow to the guy's house and they they got him. 
I heard about a man that that wrote down, give me your money. I have a gun. And he slid it to the teller. The teller gave him the money and it was his own personal check when she turned it over on the other side. And they got it's told is true. However, I just don't think that you're going to get a knock at the door and somebody's going to say. I'm coming to get that TV tonight. I got you. Your stuff is mine tonight. Eleven o'clock. See you here. I I just don't think anyone would ever do anything like that. We never know when to expect a thief to break into our home. We don't know when it's going to happen. Jesus shall come as a thief in the night. It's going to be unexpectedly. We do not know when he will come. However, we know he's coming. Everyone has been warned. Everyone has been warned. We just don't know when. In thinking about that just for a minute, not not knowing when Jesus is going to return. It's God's plan that no one knows when the Lord is returning. What are some thoughts we can have about this? What are some benefits of not knowing when Jesus is going to return? It keeps us looking. It keeps us longing. And it keeps you and I watching for the Lord Jesus Christ. It keeps us sharp. We need to be alert. It keeps us stirred up to live pure, sincere, holy lives. We, I, we would love to be caught in church when Jesus returns. We would love to be caught witnessing to somebody and someone being saved right as Jesus is coming to the clouds and, and like the thief on the cross, they're going to heaven. We'd love to be caught like that. It stirs us up to live purely. It keeps us from being careless and doubtful and too busy and unalert. Not knowing when the Lord is going to come. You know, concerning a good practice around the house. It's, it's good. It's good to keep a look. It's good to keep a watch. It's good to know the surroundings around your house. Being kind of alert for a thief to break in. And it's the, it's the same process. It's the same process as we do not know when Jesus is returning back. That we, that we might, that we might observe our surroundings, be where we should be. We would be very watchful because we don't know. We don't know when he's going to return. Not knowing for the lost is also a benefit. For the person who has doubted and delayed with salvation, you're not assured of another day. If there's anyone here that knows not the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and your heart's not filled with faith, you haven't been born again in Jesus. Tomorrow, tomorrow is not guaranteed. It keeps the lost warned. It sends a message to repent today because tomorrow may be eternally too late. The Lord has promised this return. He not only promises his day will come, though. He promises that heaven and earth's day are going to end. Look with me again at verse 10. In which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. 
Heaven and earth's day will end. Heaven and earth are going to be destroyed. You know, God once commanded a flood and brought about a new beginning on the earth. But God's going to speak the word again and heaven and earth are going to be completely destroyed. It's going to be complete destruction of this earth. Whether he does that by causing atoms in the universe to burn up in a chain reaction or any other way that he chooses to do it, I believe people in their mindsets know that something like that can happen. They just need to believe in God and his word and that he's the one that's going to do it. And it's coming one day. He, he can do it in any way. The problem is people don't believe God and they don't believe the Bible. They need to, though, because Jesus is going to return. Look, God spoke the word and he created the world. God spoke and there was a flood that came into existence on this entire earth. And God spoke and shall speak the word. And Jesus will come back here and he will not come back here as savior, but he will come back here as judge. It just takes God speaking that word and this is going to happen. Why? Why destroy heaven and earth? Why is this going to happen? Well, if you look in verse 13, the message for next week. It says, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Why is he going to destroy heaven and earth? Because of all the works of man's hands. All the work of man's hand that, that has been done upon this earth. He's, he's going to get rid of everything that man has done. Ugly, gray, concrete everywhere. Houston, it's just concrete. People say Houston is beautiful and don't get me wrong. I'm thankful for my city and, 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 and so, so much business that people get to do to support their families there. But it's all concrete. I'm sorry if someone's a concrete worker. I just think concrete's ugly. And it's everywhere. I love nature. I love, I love taking off into the country and, and, and seeing the hillside and, and the valleys and the beautiful nature of God. And you go into Houston and there's concrete. Here, there's concrete there. There's concrete everywhere. And it's ugly. But what's uglier is religion in this world. False religion is all over this world. And God's going to get rid of it. God's going to melt it. Melt it down to nothing. I mean, I burned a fire before. And at the end, there were some aluminum cans that were hanging on. And there were some bottles there. I mean, I just couldn't burn everything up. But everything is going to be gone. There's going to be nothing left. All of man's religion, all of man's works of his own hands, all the things he's going to offer God and say, we did this in the name of Jesus Christ. And he's going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. God's going to destroy all the works of man. One day and it's and, and, and what's going to happen? It's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Verse 13, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Oh, it's going to be sweet one day. Everything will be new. Everything will be righteous. We will serve the Lord and live for the Lord forever in that new city. 
That city that I believe Abraham set out looking for. That city that God showed John on the Isle of Patmos. I can't wait for that city. The one that God has made. The one, and in the mind and the, and the lack thereof concerning the time frame of God, it's already there. It's already there. He's just going to put us in it. He's going to reveal it to you and I. And we're going to serve Him always. Christians are going to heaven. But I want to watch and be ready. I want to watch and be ready. That's what Christians need to do. We need to watch and be ready. The unsaved. Man, it's amazing the people you've run across in life. And they've attended church. They've, they've made a profession of faith. They've even been baptized. But they come down to the end of life and, and someone's unsaved. When it gets down to it. I, I, could give, I could give some recent examples of that. Uh, that would probably send me on and on for a while. I won't bring it up. But the unsaved must get ready by turning from their sin and turning to God through Jesus Christ so they can miss destruction for eternity and be in the splendor of heaven, the place that God has prepared for those that He loves and those that, who will trust Jesus Christ as their Lord. Jesus hasn't returned. What do you say to that, Christian? Well, there's an answer. There's an answer for the scoffers. It's, it's the time of God. It's a totally different measure of time. It's the patience of the Lord. It's a completely different kind of patience and love wanting to save souls. What do you have to say about that? What do you have to say about the Lord's return after all this time? He's coming. He's coming. He's promised. He has promised. He is coming and he shall come. He shall come very soon. Corey Gerard, where does... In prayer, and teenagers will dismiss to the gym.